I first heard of Arctic Monkeys from a girl I had a crush on in high school. She was obsessed with Alex Turner. At this point, they maybe had released whatever people say I am, that's what I'm not, and Favorite Worst Nightmare. Maybe, maybe Humbug was out, but I can't remember. They were already huge in the UK and the rest of the world in 2008 or so, but they hadn't broke out in the US yet. They were always liked by the cool indie kids. But I absolutely hated them because I was rejected by this girl. I liked their label mates, Franz Ferdinand and the Fratellis, much better. I bought Humbug the day it came out from Bull Moose. I thought, I'll give them another, another shot. I listened to Humbug and thought it was interesting. Despite the shit I talked, I still had... I bet you look good on the dance floor, riot van, and red light indicates doors are secured on my iPod Nano. Do you remember the iPod Nano? I think I had the one that was 8 gigs. I was in Colorado when I fell fully in love with Humbug. I was far from home and it reminded me of fall. It gave me a sense of safety. I used to walk a few miles every day to and from work. I didn't have a car. On a crisp October day, the music and autumn sun just hit me right. I was in a flailing and failing long-distance relationship at the time. This girl had me wrapped around her finger to the point of me being willing to kill myself if she so suggested. I was a total fucking mess. And the jeweler's hands tells a story of that time period of my life. For years, I tried to understand what it's about. I feel like most of the time with Arctic Monkeys, I try to make sense of their music. I don't always know what it's about, but it makes me feel something. Maybe I shouldn't even try it, try and figure it out. Maybe I should just feel. I think that's the solution to this. But the jeweler's hands to me, is a song about infidelity. It's, uh, you know what it's like to hold the jeweler's hands. That makes me think of a, of a woman who is chasing after a guy even though she's engaged to be married or possibly she's already married. But she's still curious about what this handsome and faceless gentleman has to offer. Josh Hom from Queens of the Stone Age produced most of this album, not all of it. And James Ford produced a couple of tracks as well, who is a, a frequent collaborator with Alex Turner and Arctic Monkeys. James Ford has helmed most of their projects in some capacity. Humbug sounds like Josh fed them mushrooms out in the desert and let them just do their thing, while also pushing them to their limits. Cornerstone, which I would say it's a top 10 Arctic Monkey song for me, that one's produced by James Ford and is a heart-aching ballad about a man that thinks he sees the woman he loves everywhere going as far as to not give a cab driver shortcuts back to his house because he thinks he smells her, her scent on the seatbelt. Have you ever been that in love before? I have, and I've lived to tell the tale. The whole song, the lyrics go on to describe all these different bars that he thinks he sees this girl at, 
and eventually he sees this girl and it's her sister and it sounds like they hook up another key track for me off humbug is dance little liar it sounds like a confrontation of a lover or maybe a confrontation of self um someone is being unfaithful in this relationship and i think the narrator is addressing maybe their own infidelity the liar takes a lot less time all the b-sides for for humbug are killer um i remember walking into bull moose and seeing all the different singles and all that shit there and i regret not buying them at the time the seven inches because now they're they're out of print you can't get them anywhere unless you're trying to pay a fucking arm and a leg maybe some toilet paper or a baby formula suck it and see came out in the summer of 2011 and it was the first time that i got my dick sucked i'm just gonna be real with you i was out of high school i was very inexperienced with girls uh and relationships. I'm not even talking about sexually, which is also the case, but I didn't know how to communicate. I was hurt and scared and afraid of being vulnerable. I didn't even know how to do that. But that whole summer, I listened constantly to Suck It and See, as well as Arabia Mountain by Black Lips, and also Ziggy Stardust. Those were my the three albums I listened to that summer. Suck It and See is great, though. Uh, the first song I heard off of it was Brick by Brick, which I think I might have been in Florida at the time when that came out. It was like right in that period where I was transitioning back, and I listened to it a million times, and I liked it. And Don't Sit Down Because I Moved Your Chair was the second single off that album. And it was a little more similar to the sound of Humbug. It was kind of sludgy, heavy, desert, stonery rock. I thought the lyrics were really stupid, but I, I liked that. It, w- it was very funny to me that it was so stupid and kind of blatant. Sometimes you can be so stupid, it can be clever, and I think that's maybe what that song is. That's one of the few heavy, sludgy moments on that record, which for the most part, it sounds very lovesick and beautiful. The opening track off that album, She's Thunderstorms, is about the female orgasm, which I will say doesn't exist. I've tried to find it. I've searched all over the place for it. I'm assuming if I haven't made it happen yet that it's just not real. It's Santa Claus. Everybody says it exists, but it doesn't. Also, why does everybody brag about being good at sex why why can't you be bad at sex and it just be okay you know with with elbows and kind of bumping teeth and shit like that maybe actually that's my kink that's what i'm into i always have flashbacks of being in maine when that album came out Uh, i just gotten back from florida and I, I, half the reason I went back home was because My Chemical Romance was going to play in Boston. This was when Danger Days had come out. 
This was the, the fall of 2010 is when Danger Jays by My Chemical Romance came out, and I wanted to go see them at the Boston House of Blues, and I was poor, and I just thought, well, it's dead of just going up for the concert. I might as well just move back. I was out of a depression, out of a funk, and to me, Suck It and See very much sounds like that time period. It was very innocent for me. I went to that MCR concert, and while I was there, I bumped into two girls that I went to high school with who were in my graduating class. I was walking up through the line, super stoked, in the zone, and I hear my name. And I look up, and there she is. There she goes. Way she goes. And I don't know what that relationship really was. It, it was it was an icebreaker for women to me. So when I when I hear Suck It and See by Arctic Monkeys, that whole album, I, I think about that that summer and getting my first car, which was a 2011 or a 2000, a two two zero 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 Pontiac Grand Dam. Green and on the verge I was working at Target and we hung out all the time, me and this girl, and we would blast Suck It and See. I, I bought the vinyl of it uh, while we fooled around, you know, finger bang and that kind of a thing. I got to see Arctic Monkeys on the Suck It and See tour where they were opening for the Black Keys at the Cumberland County Civic Center in Portland, Maine, which the audio of that show for the Black Keys got released on the extended, expanded version of El Camino. But it was a great show. It cemented my my love. Like I was like, okay, I love this band now. They're my favorite band. It was because they were so bombastic. They played Are You Mine at that show. So this was a, maybe a year before AM came out. They released it as a non-album single. And I have a conspiracy theory about this time for, the, for Arctic Monkeys. They were on tour with the Black Keys, seeing the Black Keys play groovy rock songs every night. And I felt like they leaned into kind of what the Black Keys were doing at the time and started making bluesy rock songs that were hip-hop based. AM gave me a swagger and confidence because I felt like uh, it was cool that Alex Turner had the same haircut as me. Like he had come around to it. Because no one would... Rockers aren't clean cut today. It's it's not cool to be clean shaven or or have your hair kind of combed back. And uh, it gave me all sorts of confidence, which led to me getting chlamydia. Uh, I got chlamydia from a girl that I dated in the eighth grade. We were not in the eighth grade when I got chlamydia, okay? And she was also not in the eighth grade. Let me just clarify that if Chris Hansen is listening. She was uh, a queen above 18. And uh, she was kind of hanging out, hanging around with everybody and 
I'll say it was painful. It was very painful. But most of AM is a, a very hypnotic record. The writing of that one, the band would kind of jam. Alex would record the jams and then write songs based around them. So it kind of slinks in a way that a lot of their other music hadn't at that point. No joke, I've probably listened to Do I Want to Know 10,000 times before that album came out. So Are You Mine and Do I Want to Know were kind of the two singles, of course, with Are You Mine coming out uh, almost a year before the record was even released. But my favorite track on the album is probably Knee Socks, which is a great one. Now, after living with something for so long, you you have new favorites or new things that you notice, it's probably Fireside for me now. There's a great picture of them from that time period. It's in the gatefold of the AM album where it kind of has this noir lighting and they're all wearing white dress shirts with black ties And I feel like that picture really summarizes what the band was. I love the bridge and Arabella. That's magic in a cheetah print coat. Just a slip underneath it, I hope. Asking if I can have one of those organic cigarettes that she smokes. Wraps her lips around a Mexican Coke. Makes you wish that you were the bottle. Takes a sip of your soul, and it sounds like guitar solo. I saw them on that tour, too. They were playing at the State Theater, headlining. Miles Kane was there with them. The next night, they were playing in New York City, and they did a cover of uh, All My Loving by the Beatles for the Letterman show, because they were, they were doing, there was something going on about uh, the Beatles. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was an, uh, another of the 1,000 remasters that there was. It might have been in February, too. It was, it was cold. I had eaten an edible and gone down with some friends and gotten super baked. And then afterwards, I went to the Purple Caterpillar and, and smoked hookah, and I ran into a guy I went to high school with at the end of the show And uh, he almost got into a fight with some dude on the street who just bumped into him. Just some young people bullshit. You know how it go. And if I'm talking about AM, I would be remiss not to mention You're So Dark, which was a B-side for One for the Road. You're So Dark was recorded in Nashville with Vance Powell at Sputnik Sound. So go check that track out. Hopefully you dig it. But we're not here to talk about the entire discography of Arctic Monkeys and why I love them. Actually, that that is kind of why I wanted to do this episode, because I do love them. I have so many great memories in my life, happy memories related to their music. But we're here to talk about AM7, The Car. Here they come, just in time, 
to save my soul yet again. I am here to do a track-by-track breakdown of this album. First song is There'd Better Be a Mirror Ball. Let's take a listen.
song sounds like the last moments of a dying relationship all of the uh all the good times are gone and you you just know it's over it's it's the end of something but it's not quite the start of something new yet it's where nothing makes sense uh and you just feel like you got hit by a fucking train even I've been dumped before. I, I know that might shock you. Here's, I ain't quite where I think I am. Both islands now. Ah. 
they've grooved before, but they've never really gotten funky like that. That's a different kind of track for them. And I, I haven't said this yet, but this whole album has strings all fucking over it. The band is really playing in an understated way. Uh, and it really seems like it's for the purpose of the music. This really isn't a pop album in any sense of the word. This is a, more of an artistic kind of statement. I think after Tranquility Bass, you don't really want to go backwards. You try and move forwards. And this whole thing kind of focuses on mood and emotion. This next one is Sculptures of Anything Goes. Village 
Coffee mornings with not long since retired spies Now that's my idea of a good time Flash that angle, grind a smile, gasp And roll your eyes And help me to get untied From the chandelier And twizzling round an umbrella I'll sing you That's their darkest and most cynical track, in my humble opinion, of course. But that particular song doesn't really sound like anything else in on this album or in their entire discography in general. Uh, I think that's a Moog that's being played. The, the, the arrangement for that one was, was written by guitarist... Jamie Cook, and there's that drum machine on it uh, that Matt Helders is playing. But that song to me seems to really be looking at Alex Turner's artistry and his like what people expect of him and all that shit. And he's basically kind of bitter and cynical about it. Somewhere along the way, the lyrics that Alex Turner writes have started to break the fourth wall and it, it it started happening on on their previous album but here i really feel like that's starting to take center stage here's jet skis on the moat jet skis on the moat they shot it all in cinema scope Come over here and give your buddy a hug So much for deciding not to let it slide Is there something on your mind? Or are you just happy to sit there and watch while the paint job dries When it's over You're supposed to know Lights out in the Wonder Park Your sawtoothed lover boy Was quick off the mark That's long enough in the Cry. 
just happy to sit there and watch while the paint job dries. When it's over, you're supposed to know. kind of soulful and languid a little bit of a different flavor for our favorite boys from Sheffield on high green this whole album to me is really musically it's a throwback to the music of 60s and the 70s kind of the Burt Bacharach uh, that's one of the flavors but also you can hear a little bit of Sinatra. You can hear a little bit of the adult contemporary pop of that time period. Coming up next is Body Paint. From Master of Deception and Subterfuge You've made yourself quite the bed to lie in Do your time traveling through the tanning booth So you don't let the sun catch you crying So predictable I know what you're thinking And on your 
That one I've probably listened to the most out of all the songs so far, just because that was released as the second single. It's a little more up-tempo, and it has some rock band moments on it, unlike uh, Tranquility Bass. But um, yeah, that one to me is really about the bitter kind of resentment you feel after a relationship is over and that ending lyric still a trace of body paint on your legs and on your arms I take that as uh there's still a a part of me with you even if you are denying that and saying that it's not there anymore and it's completely over and you're kind of shutting me out this whole kind of album is entirely about like mood and emotion and all of that. And it's much less of like a concept album. I, w- I would say in some ways it is. It's very thematic because it's basically, it's similar to the John Mayer album, The Search for Everything, which is a breakup album. And it's kind of all the stages that you have of a breakup. And... The title, The Car, 
to me, it means it's getting you from one place to another. It's a vehicle. So how that all ties together, I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't quite explain it yet just because this album came out on Friday. Speaking of the car, here is the title track itself. Father's guitar Thinking about how funny I must look Trying to adjust to What's been there all along With the boat kiosk lady And a sleepy amigo kind of has a cinematic spaghetti western feel to it and lyrically it sounds like utter fucking annoyance with a another human being like have you ever been in a spot in a relationship where you're just kind of getting annoyed with each other 
all the time, even though maybe the other person's not even necessarily doing something wrong. They're just being a human and breathing. And you start to get annoyed with the way they breathe or the way they cut their chicken or the way they take their contacts out before they go to sleep at night. That's what that really makes me think of where it's the relationship is dying before your eyes and you don't even know about it yet. And here is big ideas. That's quite a number to see Spotlit, getting lowered in Can you co-direct and play the twins And adapt the main theme for mandolins I've conjured up wonderful things The ballad of what could have been over and out it's been a thrill i had big ideas the band was so excited the kind you'd rather not share over the phone but now the
can't recapture old magic, no matter how hard you try. There's no going back, even if you wanted to. The, anti- the anticipation of what could be versus what something was versus what it actually is. I love the solo at the end of it. Uh, the first part sounds maybe like a mandolin or maybe it's an acoustic guitar. I'm not sure. The guitar solo is badass. It reminds me of Eric Clapton in the 70s. Here is Hello You, which is my favorite track off this album.
That's the closest thing to a radio single on the record. In the theme of the record, it sounds like returning to a state of mind or a place you shouldn't be once the changes have already happened. You aren't the same. Letting go is painful, but returning to an old relationship, an old place, all your old haunts with people that you're not really around anymore is more painful. The past can be seen with rose-colored glasses. Hindsight is twenty twenty, a poor turn of phrase. Here's Mr. Schwartz. Put your heavy metal to the test. There might be half a love song in it all. Come here and kiss me now before it gets too cute. Mr. Schwartz is staying strong for the crew. Wardrobe's lint rolling your velveteen suit. And smudging dubbing on your dancing shoes.
this is the only song on the album about a character. Alex Turner has said this album felt like a production or a movie set that you were going to zoom out and see lights and cameras and all that good stuff. Mr. Schwartz would be running the show, uh, running the production, picking artistic direction, managing the crew. It has a ba- bossa nova feel. I love when the full band comes in. The bass playing is great on this one. It's like a montage scene at the end of the film reflecting back on what just happened. The good, the bad, and the indifferent. Here's Perfect Sense. Richard Alvio The executive branch Having some fun With the warm-up act If that's what it takes To say the grand finale perfect sense it's about letting go and making amends with the chapters and verses of life learning lessons or learning none at all sometimes you got to get where you're going to be where you are see you next week (laughs) 